Thanks for listening to Porchlight Music Theater's WPMT. If you love classic musicals, why not check out Porchlight's Sondheim at 90 Roundtable, our discussion series focusing on the complete works of Stephen Sondheim, with me, Porchlight Artistic Director Michael Weber. I've had a great time discussing all of the musicals of Sondheim's incredible career with stars from Chicago theater, Broadway, and beyond weekly throughout Sondheim's 90th birthday year. Listen today to Sondheim at 90 Roundtable for a behind-the-scenes deep dive into the mind, the music, and the writing methods of one of music theater's greatest composers. Available right here on your favorite podcast platform. Search for Sondheim at 90 Roundtable or visit porchlightmusictheater.org for more information. I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Premiering at New York's Paramount Theater August 4th, 1942, Holiday Inn, starring Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, and Marjorie Reynolds, with music and lyrics by Irving Berlin and a screenplay by Paul Binion, has become one of the best-loved holiday film attractions and debuted the world's top-selling single with estimated sales in excess of 50 million copies worldwide. When the figures for other versions of White Christmas are added to those of Bing Crosby's rendition, sales of the song exceed $100 million. Irving Berlin devised the concept for this film after he wrote the song Easter Parade for the 1933 Broadway show As Thousands Cheer, and subsequently planned a stage musical review based on major American holidays. The stage play was never produced, but Berlin later pitched the idea to director Mark Sandrich, who had worked with him on three Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers pictures at RKO. In May 1940, Paramount Pictures contracted Berlin to develop his idea for their star contract player, Bing Crosby. Following the hiring of Fred Astaire to co-star, Mary Martin was offered to join the cast after successfully playing opposite Crosby in two other Paramount films, but she had to turn the job down due to her pregnancy. Director Sandrich originally wanted Ginger Rogers and Rita Hayworth to join the cast. However, executives at Paramount vetoed this idea since Crosby and Astaire, two of the highest-paid stars, were already absorbing so much of the budget. As a result, actor Marjorie Reynolds, who until that time had mostly been appearing in grade B and C films like Six Shootin' Sheriff, and Robin Hood of the Pecos, landed the role of Linda Mason. With that, Holiday Inn became one of the most successful films of the year. While Holiday Inn introduced a number of songs that have become perennial favorites, one of the production numbers, entitled Abraham, in celebration of Lincoln's birthday, has become notorious in its unacceptable and hurtful use of the racist convention of white actors performing in blackface makeup. We want to be transparent that there is reference to that act in this radio adaptation of Holiday Inn. To discuss this and other productions that include this incendiary practice, our special guests, actor James Earl Jones II and director-choreographer Christopher Carter, will join us in conversation immediately following the production. So stay tuned.
The Railroad Hour presented Holiday Inn three times over the course of the popular series run, and this is the November 19, 1948 rendition of the story that we have for you today. Here, starring George Murphy as Ted Hanover, Martha Tilton as Linda Mason, Gordon McRae as Jim Hardy, with Jerome Cowan as Danny Reed is Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the gay white Christmas musical Holiday Inn. Starring George Murphy, Martha Tilton, Jerome Cowan, and your host, Gordon McRae. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music is arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical success is brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that also bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is Gordon McRae. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Well, tonight, it is our particular pleasure to bring you Paramount Pictures' delightful musical Holiday Inn, with its great score by Mr. Irving Berlin. As the lovely leading lady of the piece, you will hear Miss Martha Tilton. Mr. Jerome Cowan appears as the agent Danny, who handles the careers of Ted Hanover and Jim Hardy, played respectively by Mr. George Murphy and myself. And so for the next 45 minutes, come with us and have a happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Looking back, I see that each of the moments I treasure and remember was a melody. Because for each moment there was a song, and for each song there is now a memory. Happy Holiday takes me back to the beginning. One year ago, Christmas time. I was working in a florist shop, and all of a sudden the door opened, and Ted Hanover walked in. He was whistling. Oh, was I surprised. The most famous dancer on Broadway doesn't walk into a shop every day. I just stood there with my mouth open. Uh, excuse me. Do you usually go around like that, or are you waiting for someone to throw in a fish? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Mr. Hanover. I just never expected to see you. Oh, you know who I am. Oh, yes. I know who you are, all right. Well, I'd like some orchids, the finest in the house. A corsage? No, no. I want a dozen, so she can pin them any place she wants. Oh, <laughs> all right. Oh, you know that song, huh? We're using that in our act. Well, I only know the beginning. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing, may your every wish come true. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. May the calendar keep ringing happy holidays to you. 
If you're burdened down with trouble, if your nerves are wearing thin, pack your load down the road, come to Holiday Inn. If you're laid up with the breakdown, throw away your vitamins. Don't get worse, grab your nurse, come to Holiday Inn. Happy Holiday, Happy Holiday. Holiday Inn. That's a wonderful sound. It's too bad there isn't any such place. Ah, but there is. Way out in the wilds of Connecticut. You see, my partner Jim Hardy just bought it. That's why he wrote that song. It's going to be open just over each holiday, and he's going to have a big floor show that ties in with that season. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. Why, sure it is, sure it is, if you have an affinity for the carrot and the field mouse. Personally, I loathe the country. Say, uh, how about the orchids? Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Hanover, I'll have them wrapped in just a minute here. Um, Mr. Hanover, as long as you're in the shop and you have such a kind face... Now, look, young lady, look, I'm getting married tomorrow, the lady is waiting... And at the moment, she's engaged to my partner, and we have to explain things to him so he'll understand, you see. And we also have a show to do in an hour, so please make with the package if you well, don't mind. Well, I am, but I can talk while I'm rapping. You see, this is really just a part-time job. Oh. Actually, I sing and dance. Mr. Hanover, I want... I know, I know. You studied dancing since you were a little child. You spent long, weary hours in every theatrical agency on Broadway, but just now I have to get back to the club and get on with How the... did you know all those things about me? My dear, that's the story of every star and would-be star on Broadway. Forget it, kid. Marry the florist and raise little orchids. <laughs> then you won't get your heart broken. Well, okay. Here's your package. That's $36. Special rate because you bought by the dozen. Oh, thank you. Here. You may keep the change. Say, if you really want a job... Why don't you take a run up to Connecticut and see Jim Hardy? Our act's folding tonight, and he'll be up there tomorrow. Well, thanks, Mr. Hanover. Thank you very much. Oh, don't mention it. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. I didn't realize then how much that song would come to mean to me. The next day, I invested a little money in a train ticket and went up to Connecticut and knocked on the door of Holiday Inn. Jim opened the door. Well, hello. Santa Claus is a day early this year, I see. Come in, come in. Mr. Hardy? Yep. Here, let me help you off with those things. Thank you. It was a cold ride up from the station. I'm Linda Mason, Mr. Hardy. Well, I'm glad to know you, Linda. Uh, I uh, happened to run into Ted Hanover, and he suggested I come to see you about maybe getting a job in the show. Uh, You dropped the wrong name, lady. Ted Hanover's about as popular around here as measles. Oh, well, you can't blame a girl for trying. You see, I work in a florist shop, and yesterday Mr. Hanover walked in and asked for a dozen orchids. Yeah, and today the girl that I was going to marry yesterday is wearing them. Oh, that beautiful Lila. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right, it's all right, I'll get over it. I'd rather she made him unhappy than me. Well, when are you going to open the inn? New Year's Eve. Did that wolf in tap shoes tell you the idea of the inn? You see, I've written some special music for each holiday. Why, no. I had no idea you were a composer, too. Well, I, I had hoped to get the inn open tonight. I'd written a special song for the occasion, but I, I just couldn't make it by Christmas. Oh, I'd love to hear the song. You would? Well, 
Fortunately, I happen to have a piano handy. I, uh, I live for moments like this. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen Glisten. Where the treetops glisten. And children listen. And children listen. To hear. To hear. this early date if I said Merry Christmas? Well, it is rushing this season, but it sounds beautiful. You know, I like your voice. Maybe... Oh, pardon me a moment, Linda. Hello. Oh, hello, Jim. This is Ted. Goodbye, Ted. No, 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 no. Jim, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't hang up on me. You don't know what I've been through. Nothing trivial, I hope. Jim, look, I want to read you a wire that just came. You remember Lila, don't you? Oh, yes. Yes, I remember Lila. Well, the wire's from her. I was supposed to meet her at the license bureau at City Hall. 
But she sent a Western Union boy in her place. Well, congratulations. I hope you two will be very, very happy. Now, Jim, look, don't joke. This is the wire. She says, sorry, darling, but flying to Texas tonight to marry the most wonderful millionaire in the world. Hope you find a new partner soon. Love, Lila. Well, that's life. No, that's Lila. Jim, Jim, look, I'm coming to Holiday Inn. See, I'm going to help you open the place up. Now, we'll get it open fine by New Year's Eve. We'll put on a big show. Now, now, take it easy. No, thanks, Ted. I've already got my show lined up. Oh, but Jim... So long, Ted. I'm sorry, Linda. That was just the fellow who got the wrong number. Uh, Linda, would you like to open here with me on New Year's Eve? Oh, thank you. You know I'd love to. Maybe there is a Santa Claus after all. Well, uh, could it be me? Well... Ted Hanover did send me here. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing. It's the first good turn he's ever done me. Oh, it's going to be such fun to be a part of Holiday Inn. You're right. Because if you're burdened down with trouble, if your nerves are wearing thin, pack your load down the road, come to Holiday Inn. Happy Holiday! Happy Holiday! Happy Holiday! Happy Holiday! Holiday. Lay the calendar! starting on that last week just before Christmas, the week that's likely to get pretty frantic for a lot of us. There's that shopping that hasn't been done yet, and the gift wrapping, and the last-minute Christmas mailing, if you didn't follow the good sound rule of mailing early. And then there's a lot of decorating and a lot of preparing for Christmas dinner and, oh, a dozen or two other things that have to be done. Yes, it takes a lot of planning, as well as a lot of doing to get ready for Christmas. It started weeks, even months ago. The producers began to turn out their materials, the manufacturers to make their goods, the merchants to stock their shelves. And all through that process, you'd find railroads doing their indispensable part, bringing the raw materials together at the place of manufacture, hauling the fuel and bringing in the food and the other supplies needed to keep the work going, distributing the product, delivering the goods all over this land. Now, during all these weeks and months, you might not have been on a train. You probably didn't go into a railroad freight house. But just the same, the railroads were working for you, all to the end that so far as transportation is concerned, you might lack nothing which could help to make this a Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Porchlight's Production and Operation Director, Alex Ryan. Thank you for listening to WPMT. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today to Porchlight Music Theater at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration, and we hope you enjoy the show. And now back to Holiday Inn, starring George Murphy, Martha Tilton, Jerome Cowan, and your host, Gordon McRae. moment there was a song, and for each song there is now a memory. On New Year's Eve, Holiday Inn was jammed with people. After the first floor show, Jim and I went out in the kitchen and helped dish salads onto plates. I remember looking at Jim and thinking, this really is the beginning of a new year in my life. 
Any for those thoughts? Oh, well, I was just thinking. It's almost the new year. Yeah, those old hands are practically straight up, aren't they? One minute to midnight, one minute to go. One minute to say goodbye before we say hello. Let's start the new year right. Twelve o'clock tonight, when they dim the light, let's begin. Kissing the old year out. Kissing the new year in. Let's watch the old year die with a fond goodbye. And our hopes as high as a kind. How can I Come on, let's get out on that dance floor. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Hello, hello, Jim, old pal, old friend, old fan of my neck. Hey, Ted, what are you doing out here at Holiday Inn? Happy New Year. Hiya, baby, hiya. Good evening, Mr. Hanover. Now, look, Ted, you're, you're a little the worse for alcohol. How about going upstairs and lying down? Oh, no, no, I don't want to go upstairs. Come on, little girl. Come on, how about a little dance with old Ted Hanover, huh? No, oh, no, come on, Linda. It's all right, Jim, I don't mind. Oh, listen to that music. Just listen and get with it. Baby, that's a baby. Just glide it. Just glide it. Hey, there's Ted Hanover and his new partner. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Mr. Hanover. Jim. He's okay, Linda. I'll take care of him. Whether he's sober or not, I never dance with anyone like that. Hey, that's a great finish to that number, Hanover. Yeah. It's a great finish to a lot of things. Happy holiday, happy holiday. Oh, no, 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 not that. Who's making that awful noise? I am, Ted. It's me, your agent, Danny. Oh. Open your eyes and look at me. Oh, no, no, I'm afraid to. It might make me ill. <laughs> Danny, what do you want? 10% of this headache? I don't need it. I got one of my own. I was with you last night. Well, 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 well. Is Junior coming, too? Oh, hello, Jim. Jim, where did you get that extra head? Oh, I... I always wear it in case one goes out on me. Oh. Oh, Danny. Danny, boy, where am I? At Holiday Inn. Well, where are you? Who, me? I'm at Holiday Inn, too. Uh, Jim? Me too. I'm right here with the rest of you. Huh. Crowded, isn't it? Hey, uh, uh, how did I get here? Well, I'll tell you a long story. Last night was New Year's Eve. Oh, yes. Now it comes back to me. Now I remember. You know, that's too bad about Lila. But on the whole, I think you're better off doing a single. Oh, no, no, boy. Boy, I got to have a partner. 
Well, aren't you tired of getting partners and falling in love with them and losing them? Mm. I don't know why you didn't tell me you had a new girl on the leash. Uh, a new girl? Yeah, the one you were dancing with last night. She was terrific. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was, was I dancing last night? Why, you got the best hand of your life. No kidding. I couldn't get close enough to see the girl's face, but her figure... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah? You didn't get close, though. No, no. The closest I was was when she was leaving the dance floor. I, I only saw her then from the back. Uh -huh. She was uh, about this. I mean, she she has a... Well, if I ever saw her from the back again, I'd recognize her. <laughs> you saw her, Jim. You describe her. Who? Who, me? Well, uh, I wasn't watching very closely. She was medium. Medium-built sort of girl with a medium face. She had an evening gown on with a, with a medium kind of belt in the back. <laughs> Just a medium girl. Yeah, she built like a former girlfriend of mine named Consuela Schlepkis. <laughs> yeah, that Consuela was all right. Used to play the pinball machine a lot down at the corner drugstore. Why, I remember one time she was high man three weeks in a row. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's dandy. Thanks. Help a that helps a lot. Oh, I'm happy to help you out any time, Danny. I'll do as much. I want to tell you something, boys. She'll be back. A chance meeting in the night. Destiny drawing two pairs of feet together. No woman could pass up a chance like. She'll be back next holiday, and I'll be here waiting. Oh, you, uh, you will, huh? Yes, I will, huh? Okay. It's your time. Waste it. I'll see you later. Hello, Jim. Well, I've got my overnight case packed. All ready to go back to the city in the florist shop. Uh, Linda, I I've been thinking about that Lincoln's birthday number. I've decided we better do it in blackface. Blackface? Mm-hmm. You and I, the chorus, and everyone in blackface. I went back to New York. A whole lot of things all mixed up in my mind. The excitement of dancing with Ted Hanover and the excitement of singing with Jim. And most of all, the excitement of just being around Jim. I could hardly wait for Lincoln's birthday, but at last it came, and once more I was with Jim on the stage of Holiday Inn, in blackface. There's a man who's the pride of this great nation, the man who's the cause of this celebration, and they call him... baby boy was born, Abraham, Abraham. When he growed up, this tiny baby, the folks all called him Honest Abe, Abraham, oh, Abraham. Celebrate this blessed February date, Abraham. Abraham. What countries go into the dawn to shout it loud and long? Then from a cabin made alone, so right man came along. The USA is united. 
night of thanks to one whose name was Nancy Hanks. What's his name? Abraham. Abraham. She gave this friend the finest son. Whoever went to Washington. Abraham. Abraham. Oh, Abraham. Generals tied. That's why we celebrate this blessed February day. Abraham who was a real fine man. was Lincoln's birthday, Jim and me in blackface. And let me tell you, even with charcoal all over his kisser, he was something to start a girl dreaming. I couldn't wait to get back to the inn on St. Valentine's Day, and I was there early in a brand new dress, wearing my heart on my sleeve. Hey, you really look like something dreamed up for the occasion. Oh, thank you. Oh, the inn looks beautiful. You like those cupids? I, uh, pose for them myself. <laughs> I thought they looked familiar. Come over to the piano. I, I've got a valentine for you. What is it? Well, you just stand there by the piano and listen. This is for you, for me, honey. I mean every word. Be careful. It's my heart. It's not my watch you're holding. It's my heart. Oh, Jim. It's not the note I sent you that you quickly burned. It's not the book I lent you that you never returned. So remember, it's my you're holding. It's my heart. How in the world did you get out here again? Now just keep playing, Beethoven. Just keep playing. Come on, baby. Let's finish that dance. We started New Year's Eve. You know, I've been hunting for you ever since New Year's Eve. You have? Well, I've been right here. You have? Jim? Jim? Okay, okay. Two of you finally got together. I'm sure neither one of you need me anymore. Jim. Oh, Jim, don't be such a churl. <laughs> Whatever that is. Don't pay any attention to him. He's just jealous because I always take his girls away from him. Now, can I help it if he isn't attractive to women? 
I can't believe Jim would act like that. Say, say, wait a minute. Where have I seen you before? I mean, before New Year's. I sold you some orchids. Of course. You're the girl in the flower shop. Well, well, it's a small world, isn't it, huh? Well, come on. We'd better start practicing. You and I are going to dance together tonight. Tonight and every night from now on. From that moment, things changed between Jim and me. Oh, we went on doing shows together at Holiday Inn, but from that day I was dancing with Ted, not singing with Jim. The holidays were far from happy then. Easter was a bust. May Day was dark and rainy. June, the month of brides, was completely grim. And then came the 4th of July. Ted kept asking me to start out on the road with him with our numbers, but I didn't want to leave Holiday Inn. Finally, I decided to ask Jim what was wrong. Wrong? What could be wrong? Everything's just dandy. Look, you, you better get in your costume. It's almost time for your number. Something's wrong, and I want to know what it is. Well... Once I was in love with a girl. We were planning to get married. And all of a sudden, a big change set in. She decided Ted was what she wanted, and that was that. And once is enough for that to happen to me, I'm, I'm not sticking my fingers in the fire anymore. Do you think I'm like that? Well, I, I haven't noticed any indications of you being any different. Well, I'm very happy to know what you think of me. Now, listen, kid. This is a big night in your life. Danny has one of the biggest directors in Hollywood in the audience. And you and Ted are practically on your way west right now. Well, maybe they, they won't like us. Oh, they'll like you. You're great, together or separately. And when they see that ballroom number and that 4th of July solo of Ted's, all you have to do is make your reservations on the Super Chief. And, by the way, that's all right with me, too. Well, okay, that's all right with me, too. The show that night was sensational. It closed with Ted doing his solo, and the way it went over should have impressed even the toughest Hollywood director. That was really great, Ted. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Oh, Ted, you were sensational. You too, Linda. Thanks, Danny. Folks, I want you to meet Hollywood's greatest picture director, Mr. Howard Dunbar. Howdy Mason. Oh, Hanover, it's nice to meet you. And Mr. Dunbar, this is the greatest dance team in the business. Hanover and Mason. Yeah, that really was a show. Oh, uh, oh, this is the owner of Hollywood in, uh, Jim Hardy. Say, Jim, is there some place that's quiet where Mr. Dunbar and I can discuss business? Well, you can go right over there in my office. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, Danny, it's Mr. Hardy I'd really like to talk to. Hey, Jim has a great voice, hasn't he, Mr. Dunbar? Well, uh, his voice is fine, all right. But it's the idea of Holiday Inn that interests me. I think there's a picture in it. And we could do a story around two guys and a girl and use all the special songs you've written, Mr. Hardy. Hey, that's a sensational idea. Well, now, Mr. Dunbar, of course, uh, considering the originality of the idea, we've got to get a pretty good price. Now, wait a minute, Danny. Don't let your 10% run away with you. Thanks for the offer, Mr. Dunbar, but I'm not interested in selling. Not interested? Mm -hmm. Jim, are you out of your mind? It's the heat, Mr. Dunbar. Heat. He hasn't been himself all day. The ideas are natural for pictures, Jim. Well, of course, we'd star Mr. Hanover and his partner in the picture. I'm not interested in selling. Well, that's up to you. Well, now, wait a minute, Jim. Wait a minute. Don't be in such Jim, a hurry. Jim, be decent for once in your life and let somebody else around here have a chance? You had to louse this up for me, too, didn't you, Ted? Hmm? Whether it's a girl or an idea or a song or even a, a new hat, as soon as I get it, you want it. And you usually get it, too, don't you? Oh, now, Jim, Jim, you're my best friend. Yeah, yeah, I always have been. But you always seem to wind up my worst enemy. 
Well, okay, you've wrecked everything now, anyhow. Take the idea, take the music, take Linda, take the whole darn thing. And both of you do me a favor, will you? Stay away from me from now on. Okay, Mr. Sorehead, if that's the way you wish it. <clears throat> well, uh, Mr. Hardy, we'll want you in Hollywood, too, to write the music. No, thanks. I'll, I'll write the music here and send it to you. Jim, if you'd only listen to me... What do you I... want now, Linda? Shall I throw in my shirt, too? Happy holidays! There's the next show! Happy holidays! Yeah, happy holidays, and many of them. this evening, we were talking about the planning and preparation which goes into making the Christmas season what it is. For a lot of us, one of the high spots of that season will be a trip, for Christmas is the traditional reunion season of the year. It's the time when all members of the family gather happily together in one home, enjoying to the full the warm, friendly spirit of Yuletide. That's why weeks and months ago, railroads began to plan and prepare for the increased travel which Christmas brings. It was necessary first to figure ahead as closely as possible how many of you would travel and where and when. The next step was to line up the extra cars and the extra trains that will be needed. That means also lining up the extra people that will be needed to run them and making the necessary arrangements in busy terminals to get the trains in and out promptly and to take care of the crowds. Many of these things can be planned ahead on the basis of experience and expectation. But then there comes along sometimes the unexpected. Weather, for example, a storm, snow, fog, icy roads would mean that a good many of you who plan to travel some other way might change your minds when the time comes to go and decide to go in the warmth and comfort and safety of the train. And if that should happen, the railroads will do their best to take care of you, too. So the railroads are making ready to carry you and your family on your Christmas journeys, and they hope that many of you will ride with them. But no matter how you go... They wish you a safe journey and a joyous reunion at Journey's End. The Railroad Hour show train will return in just a moment after a brief pause for station identification. to Act Three of Holiday Inn, starring George Murphy, Martha Tilton, Jerome Cowan, and your host, Gordon McRae. The heart with which so willingly I part is yours to take, to keep but please, before you start, be careful, it's my heart. 
Ted and I went to Hollywood, and Jim stayed at Holiday Inn. I was lonely in rooms crowded with people. I was impatient with voices that dripped with compliments. I was heartsick and completely without heart. Nothing mattered very much. Linda, you know, we're getting to be quite an item in the gossip column. Are we, Ted? You bet we are. How about giving them something really concrete to write about, like, say, a wedding date? I'm not in love with you, Ted. But I'm in love with you. You always fall in love with your dancing partner. I've never been in love like this before. Why don't you marry me and let me try to make you happy? We go so well together. We dance well, we talk well, we look well. It all goes to show you how deceiving appearances can be, doesn't it? Be careful, it's my heart. It's not my what you're holding, it's my... Ted, Ted, stop singing that song. Oh, there's no use living in the past, Linda. The past is over. You might as well put your mind and heart in the future. I know you're right. I know it's the sensible thing to do. I haven't even heard a word from him. Come on, make a new life for yourself, Linda. Marry me. You really want to marry me, knowing how I feel? Yes, I'm sure that you'll get over how you feel now, Linda. Every torch burns itself out eventually. All right, Ted. All right. Christmas? Christmas? Marry me Christmas Day. All right. All right, Christmas Day. Ted and I planned a wedding for Christmas Day. And back at Holiday Inn, Jim sat alone, listening to a record he had made of a Thanksgiving song. He sat by himself, talking back to the record. Okay, sing it good, Pappy, and cheer me up. I've got plenty to be thankful for. Are you kidding? I haven't got a great big yacht to sail from shore to shore. Still, I've got plenty to be thankful for. Hey, you're you're really loaded, Dad. I've got plenty to be thankful for. So? Like what? No private car, caviar, carpet on my floor. Still, I've got plenty to be thankful for. Why don't you go out there and tell her you love her, you jughead? I've got eyes to see with. Need glasses. Ears to hear with. Big enough to fly with. Arms to hug with, lips to kiss with, someone to adore. You're a little flat. How could anybody ask for more? You're not getting anywhere sitting here. My needs are small. I buy them all at the five and ten cent store. The worst you could do is say no. I've got plenty to be thankful for. Get on a train, you chowder head. I've got plenty to be thankful for. On the night before Christmas, we shot the last scene of Holiday Inn. I walked on the set, and there was the inn, just as it had been on the day I walked in and asked Jim for the job. There was the Christmas tree and the piano. There was everything, just as it was. All the props were there. Only the people were different. I wandered around, touching things, until the director said, All right, darling. Now you come in with a sleigh, and we'll follow you on the boom from outside into the inn. And when you get there, go to the piano and do your song. You just make me cry when you sing it, and I'll get you out of here early so you can start getting ready for that wedding. Yes, Mr. Dunbar. <laughs> All right, ready for a run-through. Mm-hmm. 
Stop caring. Oh, Jim, neither did I. And may all your Christmases be one. I'm going to marry Jim, Ted. I'm going to marry Jim. I'm sorry, but it's the only right way for this story to end. Well, that's very nice of you to let me know. It's the only way the three of us can ever be happy together. Oh, well, I bow to the inevitable, gracefully saying the appropriate, the seasonal thing. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. May the calendar. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon McRae giving a special thank you to George Murphy, Martha Tilton, and Jerome Cowan for guesting with us tonight. And to our splendid supporting cast, Jack Edwards and Jess Kirkpatrick. Holiday Inn was adapted for radio by Gene Holloway. Well, next week the show train will arrive on the same tracks and at the same time. On board will be Nadine Connor, Sterling Holloway, Clark Dennis, and Francis X. Bushman to join me in bringing you the Sigmund Romberg operetta, The Desert Song. And by the way, tonight we, we'd like to say welcome to a brand new show which follows us on ABC and will be heard each Monday night hereafter. It's Henry J. Taylor, the famous author and commentator in his program, Your Land and Mine. And I'm sure you're going to like it. Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next week, goodbye. Holiday Inn was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, whose current release is the Technicolor production, The Pale Face, starring Bob Hope and Jane Russell. George Murphy appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the all-star Technicolor musical Words and Music, based on the lives and music of Rogers and Hart. Gordon McRae appeared by arrangement with Warner Brothers. This is Marvin Miller speaking.
The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by 132 railroads of the United States. Each one of them has its own operations and services. Each one competes keenly with others for business. But all of them work together through the Association of American Railroads for the improvement of all railroading and for better service to you. Friends, this is Gordon McRae again. All of us who help to bring you the Railroad Hour join with our guest stars and the American Railroads in sincere wishes that you will have a Merry Christmas and a truly happy holiday season. That was Holiday Inn on the November 19th, 1948 episode of The Railroad Hour. To discuss it with us today is actor James Earl Jones II, currently of the Broadway National Tour of Come From Away, and who has appeared at Porchlight Music Theater in Sondheim on Sondheim, Memphis, and the Scottsboro Boys, as well as actor, director, choreographer Christopher Chase Carter, whose Porchlight credits include Gypsy. They're playing our song, In the Heights, Memphis, and Dream Girls. Thanks for being here with me. I really appreciate your taking a moment to talk with us all about this show and the particular part of the show which uh, needs talking about. It took us a while to make a decision as to whether we should even uh, play the show. And with conversation that I have with you, we decided that we would, but that we would also include a conversation about it. So why don't we just start here? Should these kinds of works of art, films that show this kind of a depiction, plays that offer this within it in any context, should we still be doing these, showing these, sharing these with uh, modern audiences? I'll, I'll jump on this one. For me, um, as you know, the crossover from stage to television was a huge thing. As time went on, it started to phase out. And I think that in regards to Holiday Inn, I think that should have gone with the movement of phasing out. And I think it's very important to really put it in the category of history versus entertainment. For example, Scottsboro Boys were telling a story, a true story, something that happened. And their tactic for using this is, this is what these boys did when they were done. This was their life, essentially. So people can understand what they were put through, the entirety of their punishment, as I like to call it. When it's something like that, I truly feel, history-wise, we need to have the conversation about it um, and understand where it came from and why it is where it is and why we're getting rid of it. It's very important. As opposed to a situation where it's just, it was a gimmick and it was just to fill space, I feel like, and to make people laugh out of humility and embarrassment. I think you can erase that because there's no progression. It's all about progress when it comes to why, why are we talking about it right now and where should it go? Uh, I think that, um, uh, Michael, you and I had a quick discussion about how they changed the wording in Holiday Inn from, you know, put on this cork um, to put on this character makeup. Mm -hmm. I think over the years, the thought that that was appropriate began to phase out. I do think that there is something to be said, as Chris so eloquently put, like, there's something to be said about having blackface for the point of telling something historical, mm -hmm. as opposed to something that is 
convenient or comical. I mean, as we view the world now, things that even slightly appear as negative with regards to Black caricatures or stereotypes, I mean, they are removing uh, Aunt Jemima and they're like, no more Uncle Ben. And it's like, ah, yes, times they are a changing. What I think is actually kind of interesting is why it's changing and the fact that it wasn't going to change without very historical moments uh, in our history. Um, it took a very tragic death of someone to even make people think like, hmm, maybe that's not appropriate. And I just think that there are so many different things that people don't necessarily view as inappropriate. You know, sometimes you have to look at it with a different lens like this, this isn't right. And now that we know better, we do better. Um, I, I think that there are probably some other examples um, uh, my my friend Kevin Douglas, who's an amazing writer and um, artistic ensemble member at Looking Glass, he wrote a play called That Is in Slocum. He used it appropriately to discuss how Black people used Blackface in order to find success. Um, right. And it is humbling and it is soul-searching, soul-sucking, but... Uh, you know, that is sometimes what Black Americans went through, African Americans went through in, in order to in order to try to succeed, um, whereas it was the convenience of white people putting it on and then taking it off. It's like there's a great moment in the play where uh, this is like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm going to have to take this Black face off and then they're going to see that I'm Black. And he's like, no, no, no. Uh, Slocum's like, no, you keep it on the whole time. We come in with it, we leave with it. And he's just living in this in this double layer of of being black, and it's um, it's it's very interesting historically and gut wrenching. Yeah. There are so many facets to this awful act that, as you begin to research it and unpack it, and what struck me that you were you were uh, making reference to for our listeners. Um, who don't know, in my research of Holiday Inn as a radio show, I mean, many of us know the film, we've seen it, it's on Turner Classic Movies every year, which is an interesting also part of it that we go back to this annually. It is something that people go back to and then they seem shocked once again that this is there. But in researching the radio show, I had found that this had been done on radio at least four times. Mm -hmm. uh, between 1944, they did it in 1948, 51, and 52. And in the first three occasions when they did this, always live, they specified in some fashion in the dialogue to say, we're putting cork on your face or we're putting shoe polish on your face. And somewhere in that 1952 episode, inexplicably, it was practically the same script. They just said, we're going to put character makeup on your face. And what struck me about it was that something was happening even then that acknowledged we shouldn't be saying this and we shouldn't be pumping this into people's homes through their radios we need to soften it now it wasn't nearly enough and as we know holiday inn has now even gone on and, and become a broadway musical that christopher you've you have some connection with you've been up to 
choreographed that show, direct that show, but they have gone and further changed this particular work of art to eliminate it altogether now. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely, you see a journey, which I think is very interesting about when we just inexplicably thought it was okay or, or some component of the society just thought it was okay. And then there was a change mm -hmm. that people began to acknowledge this isn't right. And we, yeah, I think that, I think that people realize that it just wasn't addressing the story is like, why is it here? What is your point? Comedy. And, and, you know, you could say they were using it for the times so that people know what the era was and what the time was. But at the same time, it doesn't progress anything. And that was the crazy part to me is why, why it took them so long to just take it out. I mean, if you, if you want to alter it, just take it out. Mm -hmm. If there's something wrong with it initially, there's just something wrong. You know, like when I, I directed the Scottsboro Boys in Kenosha at Bradford High School, and I told the boys, I said, um, what we are about to do is extremely painful, but it is your choice. I told them every show, if one of you does not feel like doing it, don't do it because the concept of the show, they're in blackface the entire time. So it works. It works either way. But and let's clarify, these are African-American actors. These are African-American young yeah, young men, young men, young high school men. Place, right. And I completely left it up to them to tell the story, to have control over it, because I feel like if we're forced to do this, then we're back where we started. But if we choose to take power, take the power and use it to put it in your face and say, this is what it was, let's have the conversation, this is what we were, why don't you want to talk about it now, but you want it to be a part of it then? Now that we have the power, now that we have the choice, now that we have the control. Just going back to Holiday Inn, I, I just don't understand why it stayed, if they're just going to change it. And eventually they took it out, but it took way too long, mm -hmm. way too long. Well, and, and it does seem that there are, and this is a larger question that certainly we, we wrestled with in terms of even looking to confront this today by, by making it part of, of the lineup on WPMT, what, is that similarly Turner Classic Movies, which plays the film uncut, also wrestles with going, how do we deal with this? Because our whole messaging here at Turner is that we play it uncut, but that we need to unpack it and talk about it and say, this is what it was. And this is the psyche of what was happening in the country at the time that for some reason, a ma major stars, uh, Judy Garland, uh, Fred Astaire, uh, Mickey Rooney, B Bing Crosby, all participated in this thing that we look at today and it turns our stomachs that was, uh, what was going on yeah no but but i think again there are there are levels of acceptance for so many things there was a time where it was like you're a woman and you're working <laughs> that doesn't make any sense like you know i mean there is a standard that people had, you know, it was like the nerve of wearing something low cut, the nerve of wearing something that was flashy, the nerve of someone to wear something that was perhaps drawing attention, whether it is culturally something with blackface or something with fashion or women, men, uh, anyone trying to achieve goals that people thought, well, you're not supposed to have that work. There are black women now who are being celebrated for wearing their natural hair as uh, newscasters and news anchors. And you're saying to yourself like, why is that a problem? Like, why is 
an African-American woman being celebrated for wearing braids, it's like, that should be the norm. That should be okay. But again, people set this standard and then it's like, "Mm, that's not professional. Even aside from that, I mean, you look at uh, historically black women have been like, I can't have a natural look. I can't just style my hair my own way and be perceived as professional, be perceived as attractive, be perceived as normal. Um, and I think that that, that is the problem uh, within itself that I think goes along with like what is socially acceptable with the blackface. Um, a fantastic movie that is generally not available. And it's kind of interesting that it's not available because when when everything happened with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, like all of a sudden every streaming every streaming channel was like, here are all the black movies. And you're like, ah, thank you. And they're free. You're like, ah, okay, thank you, double. But one of the movies that isn't available is Bamboozled. And it came out in 2000, Spike Lee, Savion Glover, uh, doing one of his few uh, acting performances, Tommy Davidson, an incredible Mm -hmm. role, and uh, Damon Wayans. And it was very interesting because the whole thing was about creating this uh, new concept new millennial blackface. And so you had Savion and you had Tommy Davidson who were encouraged to put on blackface as like these characters, like Mantan. And it was just like, huh, wow. And I still watch the audience. When I watch the film, I watch the audience and I wonder, was the audience in on it? Initially, like, were they in on this? Because the reactions are so polarizing. Like, when the cameras are on them, you're like, are these people just amazing actors or they don't know what's about to happen? They don't know that this is happening when it happens. Uh, Michael Rappaport was, did awesome as this, like, hey, I'm a white guy and I got a black wife, so I understand black life, you know, understand? And like, I understand all this, you know, he was like throwing the N word around and you just have this, you just have this whole history of blackface and Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry and oh, all of these cartoons. And you're just like, that was acceptable back then. And everyone laughed back then. And now it's like, hmm, that is highly inappropriate, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but just to see what those people went through in Bamboozle, just to see how they were like, yeah, you know what? We're black and we got on blackface. And it's just like, we're okay with it. And then at some point they weren't okay with it because they realized, you know, it's it's this Dave Chappelle moment when he left the show in one of his interviews when he was like, there was a point where they were laughing with me and now I feel like you're laughing at me mm-hmm. and now it's a wrap. And I feel like that is exactly what was happening with Bamboozled. It's like, I'm dancing and I'm singing and chucking for you. Um, but there are also some people, characters in there that absolutely we're like, I'm selling my soul for it and I will do it to the bitter end. Um, but I think culturally, historically, that movie is really important and and talks about like what some people think is acceptable because let's be clear, there's someone out there today who's like, what's the big deal? It's just, it's just makeup. It's not how I truly feel. I'm not a racist. I'm not a bad person. And unfortunately, I don't think I will be alive to see a real transparency, understanding, and a shift 
in how people view race in America and specifically something like blackface. We're going to still have people in a decade who are like, what's the big deal? Put on a little bit of makeup. You know, it's not a big deal. And I think that's actually what bothers me the most. So let me ask you, considering that we're about to come up on another holiday season, of which there will be a lot of nostalgic films on playing on TV that have become a tradition, one of which is Holiday Inn, but there are certainly others that I can think of that have maybe not in such an overt way as the Abraham number, but in other small messagings throughout, whether it's the performance of a of an African American maid in a house, or you know those types of characterizations that were put upon those actors of the time. Um, when you're talking about this potentially being prevalent ten years from now, do you think that the continued offering of this material, even with a conversation like we're having? is detrimental to that potentially still being here 10 years from now, or should it begin to become removed entirely from a potential audience's viewing of this material? Like I was saying before, you know, what purpose does it serve? Mm -hmm. I guess that's what we go back to. Um, The conversation is very important so that we understand what not to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what, I feel like that's where people get lost because especially with the new generation, I feel like they have no idea. Mm-hmm. So they just do. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's why we keep ending up in this cycle of repetition and people doing it again. And you get these little girls on, on Snapchat that are like putting this brown makeup on their face, but they don't understand why. Mm-hmm. They just know that they're Black, but they don't understand the symbolize, what, what it symbolizes. Mm-hmm. And like Scottsboro Boys or whatever, it's just like when it when it serves its purpose, mm-hmm. I think it's very necessary or it's just going to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have control and power over it when we can have the conversation over it mm-hmm. and tell people no. I, I personally think it's very important to know that it's there and to know that it happened. And I think that's the purpose of the uh, T, um, TCM, thank you. Movies. Right. They tr- their platform, I think, is history and, mm-hmm. and what was and how it was. And I think that's their approach. Right. And so it's like, this is the evolution of where we've come from right. to where we are now. But without that, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now about Holiday Inn to say, how do we make this better? Somebody would just be like, put on this stage makeup because they would have never known it was done before and never known it was an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, about uh, a decade and a half ago, 20 years ago, we were seeing YouTube slowly like becoming a thing, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, I don't really quite know what it is, but now it's like, you know, obviously one of the largest platforms in America. I use that example because digital media, you know, I went to the African American Museum in Washington, D.C., And the amount of things that they have available, the amount of things that they have archived is incredible. Mm -hmm. The amount of access that people have to old films, uh, old radio shows, uh, old music, it's it's amazing. I think that what Chris is saying with regards to like educating people, letting them know like, this is what it was, this is how can we move forward is an excellent point. I just think that Uh, For the purpose of education, great, but not for the purpose simply of entertainment. Mm -hmm. 
cut that damn song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cut it out. Yeah. And if someone's like, well, I don't understand. Well, okay, then you can archive it. You can see what the issue was, you know, but it's like, well, you're taking one of our beloved holiday classics. It's like, we didn't take it. We just cut this one section. Look, I'm not mad at Disney Plus. Treat yourself. If you want to say five or six of your films, you know, things here are racially depicted in an insensitive manner, that's fine. You don't want to cut it, that's fine. You love Jungle Book, that's fine. It is what it is. You're not going to lose no money. Clearly, you're going to do what you're going to do. Uh, But it's like sometimes just giving a little, like, caption in the front may not necessarily be enough. Mm -hmm. I know that at least half the Black people who have Netflix have seen Jingle Jangle, which is this new holiday movie with... Of course, what occurred, Felicia Rashad. Um, and it is absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. The cinematography is beautiful. It's acting and singing. And it's just, it's, dare I use this word because I don't feel like Black people ever say, it's delightful. <laughs> um, uh, and I And I say that because like, I think that there's room for ushering in these amazing new musicals that, you know, that historically aren't going to be looked back at like, hmm, that was cringy. That was mm-hmm. not comfortable. You know, there are plenty of holiday classics that don't have to have something that's overtly racist, ridiculously inappropriate. Um, and if that one section is something that can preserve the integrity of it and still delight millions of people, just cut it. Just Keep, cut it. I mean, you have it for archival purposes. Someone will always have access to it. But mm-hmm. for but for now, that holiday classic every year, mm-hmm. cut it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to cut the film, just cut that section. It doesn't take away from the overall show. You know, if it's just for entertainment, it doesn't take away from the overall show. It's just amazing to me how quick they are to, on a rated R show they want to put on TV, take out sex scenes and take out um, cursing and fights and all these things that are everyday natural activities that people encounter every day of their lives and that you actually have to be a part of, that's a part of your life, but they don't want to eliminate the pain the hurtful part to a, a specific group of people. And that always boggles me. I'm like, they left that, they took that out, but they left this in. That makes absolutely no sense to me. So what, what are they trying to do? What are what, what is their plan? Are they trying to put keep us, which they are, try keep us in this box, this one category for what? Yeah, it's, it just mind boggles me. Like I get crazy. I'm like, I can't believe they left this racist moment in, but they took out this sex scene. You know, the kids are on cheek. It's crazy. <laughs> well, and to your point, James, I think that that is exactly where we are within the the industry now. It is it has been laid bare that there needs to be new work. We we need to be able to look at at these works of the past in context and with discussion and explanation and warning in some case, even a pre-warning before observing it and then unpack it. And, but at the same time, equally be making the new work of the future that 
comes from our modern standpoint. And that's why right. Jingle Jangle is going to be and is such a smash hit across the board, because I think that there are all kinds of people who appreciate it and who see the artistry of it and the fun of it and the total accomplishment of it without even the fact that it is an all African-American cast. And then you throw that on and you're like, look what we can do. Let's just start writing the new stuff of the future. In the mm -hmm. meantime, there's this stuff to be unpacked and discussed over and over and over again and reminded that this is a different time. And that was then, and even, you know, try to figure out psychologically what was going on that that even was allowed to happen with nobody raising their hand and going, you know, although I'm sure that there were a lot of people who were raising their hands who just didn't have a voice, who had no power. It was fear, you know, of course, Dri everything was driven by fear, and, you know, as was slavery and everything. It's they, and people still use it to their advantage. And, you know, when people get attached to something, they go well, I will fire you mm -hmm. if you make a big deal about me taking this out. Mm -hmm. It always comes back to that, you know, not being able to, being afraid to speak up and being afraid to not have a career or have your life completely destroyed because you're speaking up for the greater good. Mm -hmm. and, and, that, and that's the sad part about it. I'm curious to know, I mean, to note we've discussed Jingle Jangle and how, you know, audiences everywhere have been drawn to the movie. I think that the real balance for me is the introduction of, which, you know, you don't see very much, but the introduction of Black Santa. I yes. <laughs> right. So uh, no matter what we talk about with like holiday movies and what people love, what people enjoy, the question is, are you okay with a Black Santa? <laughs> I mean, like, let's, I mean, let's have that discussion, right? No matter how many holiday movies you see, no matter what you, oh, this is so great. Like, but would you be okay with a Black Santa? It's funny you say that. When I was younger, I had a friend, a white friend, who came over to my house for Christmas. My mom used to deck it out. But, you know, they had the candle rotating Black Santa, Mr. and Mrs. Claus. They came in the house and they were like, are they Black? I was like, yes. Yes, they are. He was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then he literally went up and was like, did you guys color it yourself? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is, this is okay. They make these. When it's not a real character or it's, you know, somebody made up, we can recreate we, to our liking, you know? Um, we see the same person. It's just a different skin color. They might eat different food or, you know, do, drive different cars. It's, the, it's just a matter of skin color. And it was just, I was blown. I was so young. I was like, you've never seen a, because she puts them out ever since I was little. She put them out every year. So I, I've always seen black sets. Yeah, no, I, and I think that that's the thing is that like Jingle Jangle didn't need it. They, that film didn't need it. But I'm just wondering whether people are like, oh, that movie is amazing. And of course it has Felicia Rashad, who was, you know, Mrs. Cosby, everybody loves Felicia Rashad. And then you're seeing Forrest Whitaker and you're just like, ah, oh, such an amazing actor. And he's won these Oscars and he's classically trained, which a lot of people don't know. And you have these beautiful kids and this whole town is just like, it's just so much joy and dancing and song. But it's like, if somebody works on film and creates a black Santa, will it still receive the same warm reception? To me, that's my, you know, I, I don't have Twitter, but I would, that would be my thing, like hashtag Black Santa. 
let's have a discussion about how you truly view the world and whether you're whether you're okay with it, whether you accept it, whether you mm-hmm. understand it, whether you encourage it, because I think that that's how it is, right? It's like every person of power, every fantastical person is by default white in America. And then you're like, but they can be something else. They can be Latinx, they can be Asian American, they can be Native American, they can be, you know, Black American. And they're just like, mm, can they though? It's like, yes, they can. And you can be okay with it. And that's the and that's the power that the arts have to be able to depict a vision of the world that we would like to live in. And then hopefully that world in its demonstration will become real. That's what we can do is continue to intentionally make these gestures that project what we would like life to be. And I hope that uh, we keep doing that moving forward with all the work that we're doing. I cannot wait to get my hands on the stage play of Jingle Jangle. (laughs) I am waiting. There will be one. Anybody listening out there, I'm ready. Christopher Coach Carter is available (laughs) to be employed. Uh, Christopher Chase Carter and James Earl Jones II, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate you and your ability to walk all of us through this, these very hard discussions. We will keep them coming. And I really appreciate your being with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Theaters across the country need your support now, more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael.